everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I'm the host of Hater Radio. Here again with my co-host, Ian Gibson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, Thanksgiving is officially tomorrow. Uh, I just want to say that before we started, uh, which also means that this is the commencement of rivalry week. So we'll get into that when we do the look ahead. But let's do the recap first. Um, uh, week 12 was uh, last week. And uh, the first game we have there is SMU Tulane. Um, you know, this Tulane team uh, just blasts SMU 59-24, and the game was never close. Um, Mordecai just still put up good stats, but just – Two interceptions is not good. And, uh, you know, Tulane was just all over them. It was uh, – it never was close. Um, it was 28-7 at half. Like, and then, you know, even in the third quarter, they ended up scoring another 21 points, Tulane, and they just um, dominated the entire game. They, uh, they caused five turnovers in that game and, like, you know, five turnovers to one uh, lost – so that's a, a a turnover margin of uh, four. You know, when you're at four right there, that's a huge advantage, no matter how good the other team plays, regardless, because you're more than likely not going to play well if you're committing that many turnovers. So Tulane um, has a chance to uh, get to the AAC championship game against uh, UCF, which I'm intrigued to see because – this UCF team keeps getting ranked in the playoff rankings, uh, which came out yesterday. And I think, I think uh, UCF is either 22nd or 24th. I can't remember how high, but uh, um, they, I think uh, 25th. okay. 25th. Sorry. I knew it was in the twenties. I couldn't remember where, but they, they have three losses. I don't know why they keep getting ranked. They don't have like that many great victories except for the Tulane victory. Um, but I just, I don't think highly of this UCF team. I think they're kind of like, okay, but um, just the fact that they play in the AAC, um, they're getting easy victories there. But uh, uh, anything from this game stands out to you, Ian? Yeah, this is kind of a case point and example of if you are dominating on the run game, nine times out of 10, you're going to get the win. Tulane had over 300 yards rushing the whole game and didn't really need to rely on the passing game. And this is, you know, trademark for them for this season. Um, And they just completely dominated um, running the ball to where if you are struggling to stop a team on the run, it's really hard to get anything um, going. But like you said, SMU kind of shot themselves in the foot a lot. Um, they had, I believe, five turnovers and stuff, but I know they had technically more yards and they had more time yeah. possession, but it was not nearly enough. Tulane jumped out and jumped out early, dominated on the early game, and it was just way too big of a hole to climb up. They were down 49 to 7 at yeah. one point. And I, you know, it, it's the old saying if you want to get out of the hole, you got to stop and drop the shovel. And by the time SMU dropped the shovel, it was too late. I'm looking at the stats again. Uh, Tulane was 0-7 on uh, third downs, yet they still had 21st downs. That's 
kind of remarkable that they never converted a third down in the entire game, yet still had 59 points, 20 first downs. That's blows my mind how that's even possible. Okay, uh, next game. I watched some of this when I was working on Friday, and uh, man, uh, Byron Brown for USF really played amazing. He started off like, I think he completed like his first like 19 passes or something like that. He didn't have an incompletion until like the fourth quarter. I remember that. Yeah, and he was all over the place. Um, Tulsa wins 48-42. It was very close, back and forth. You know, USF kept scoring to keep pace, but um, Tulsa was the better team because USF's defense is just terrible. It's it's non-existent, and uh, you know they allowed four or 573 yards, um, and it just it was atrocious. But they still stayed in the game till the very end and had an opportunity, um, but couldn't capitalize. And uh, you know, it's a I'm excited for the future of this team because um, as of right now, the other day, uh, the rumors are that Deion Sanders was in talks with both USF and Colorado uh, to potentially be the head coach at either one of those schools. So just the fact that they're in the running for a coach like Deion Sanders is extremely exciting. Um, But there's a lot of talent on the team, especially the offense. Um, Byron Brown is a true freshman. Um, Brian Batty, I can't remember what his classification is, but he is phenomenal. He went over a thousand yards in this game for the season, and uh, he's just a stud, Brian Batty. And the, the rest of what I, I believe uh, Batty's a sophomore. Yeah, so there you go, right there. Batty will be back. Um, Jimmy Horn Jr. will be back. Um, I believe Weaver is hurt, and I believe Weaver is going to be back as well. So it's like there's a lot of really good parts on this team. It's just, uh, um, you know, for whatever reason, Jeff Scott couldn't pull put things together. And uh, the, the defense is just that. That's the real problem. If the defense just played average, um, USF could probably have won like at least five or six games this year. And Jeff Scott wouldn't have been fired, but he was, and that's it. So um, anything else for you on this one? Yeah, I, you know, I wanted not to get my hopes up, and I've wanted this for a while with USF. Yeah. They, you know, they were up 13 to seven, and then they slid down the grease pole. I think they gave up like three straight touchdowns or something like that in the yeah. second quarter. And, and it, again, that goes on defense. I mean, you put up 42 points. Now, it, it's sad because most of the season, it has been who can take the blame for what? Um, you know, it was, you know, when you think of games like, you know, Temple, they gave up too many points. Um, the offense wasn't clicking when they played Louisville. Um, but the fact is, is that when you look back at their schedule, they have averaged over, I don't know, you know, again, this is with bad math, but they have scored more than 20 points for the most part of a lot of games. Now, yeah. providing you have a good enough defense, that you should skid by with some wins if your average is around 20 points. Right. But yeah, that you know, you put up 42 points and still lose. That's totally on the defense. Um, it it's, was completely non-existent. I don't know, you know, what the deal is with Florida teams and not having a good defense, but yeah. current state of the state, as I say, um, 
but for USF, it's very disappointing, you know, going into rivalry week where, you know, they're outgunned now. It was the last chance to get one, you know, feel good win, but it's too little too late. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not, this is probably the most that I could be excited about a one loss team or a one win team. Like, because of the fact that there's a potential to get the on-campus stadium. They just built the indoor practice facility. Um, there's movement about some other facilities, athletic-wise, that are going to be uh, redone there. Um, it's it's moving in the right direction. And there's also, with the expansion of the playoff, USF, all they have to do is basically be the best group of five team as of right now, which, which will be if, if they get, if they're the best group of five team, then they have a shot at the playoff almost every year. And so regardless of getting into a big conference, which would be great, you know, big 12, a ACC or wherever. Um, but uh, as of right now, they're not going to be in it for a few years until I don't know what. I hope something gets figured out because USF is part of the Tampa Bay market, and the Tampa Bay market is the 12th largest media market in the country. So a lot of people are aware of that, regardless of how well the athletics program is doing. I will say that the women's basketball team is doing phenomenal. So it's not all bad news for USF uh, athletics. Okay, um, moving on. <laughs> Illinois, Michigan. I mean, I told you all along, Ian, I've been saying this all year. Michigan is not good. And I know Illinois is having a better year, so they're not terrible. But just Michigan need, needed a miracle here to win this game. Um, they barely win. Uh, Blake Corum goes out and potentially may not play in the Ohio State game. I just don't think J.J. McCarthy is – I don't know. I think he's garbage. He was 18 to 34, no touchdowns through for 208 yards. I just don't think he's, I don't think he's that great. I don't think if they have to play a game against Ohio state, potentially without Blake Corum, I think they're, they're going to get smoked. Um, and if he's in the game and he's hurt, he may not be as effective anyways. So in, in, in this game, you know, against Illinois, it was basically even. The stats look pretty damn even when you look at it. And, um, you know, the only thing that stood out was that they, that Michigan had a fumble and time of possession was a little bit uh, like 10 minutes in favor of Michigan. But everything else is basically neck and neck with each other as far as stats wise. So, you know, Michigan, I don't know. I, I've, I don't know how they're the number three team in the country. It's really only because they're in the Big Ten. If they played in the Big 12 this year, if they played in the SEC, or if they even played in the Pac-12, uh, I think they would have at least two losses in any of those conferences. And they're just by chance happen to be in a conference where, you know, nine of the teams in the league are garbage. And that makes it a lot easier when you're, you know, you don't have to play anyone until the last game of the year. Um, you know, their non-conference schedule was a joke. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think Michigan gets a lot of credit because there's a lot of 
um michigan michigan media out there that people that went to the school and people that are from that area and they hype up this team anytime they're remotely good it's the same thing with notre dame you know i i used to think the same way about ohio state but i've come around to ohio state because of the fact that they have so many good athletes and they're putting so many um good players into the nfl so I've changed my tune there, and that's the only team in the Big Ten that I truly do respect. The rest of it is garbage football. Um, there's not really anything enjoyable to watch there. I lo- I really like watching Ohio State. They're definitely the better team of the Big Ten by far. And um, but uh, what are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, at least for this game, it was personally. Yeah, I was rooting for Illinois because I was like, okay, let's just have the nuclear option and just pure chaos around and say Michigan goes in with one loss and somehow they beat Ohio state. That's where I was falling from. But I do agree that the offense, the wheels completely fell off when Corum was out. And that is a huge Achilles heel for Michigan is that if Corum is out, that offense is non-existent. And we saw that all second half against Illinois. Now, if he is out against Ohio State, we're jumping ahead here, obviously. That is going to cause serious problems for the Wolverines. But at least for this sake, they skid by with the win. They are still undefeated. Not a pretty, you know, it's a misleading undefeated. Mm-hmm. Undefeated nonetheless. But really, now it's their, you know, the whole season has been building up to this uh, with Ohio State. So I think if they... You know, beat them. They prove it. They should. You know, then they go to the Big Ten championship. Um, I think it's a very misleading. But I will also say it was a very rough week for a lot of the top teams. Yeah. Um, but they were super, super uh, lucky, and they got to find a way to mitigate the possible disaster of not having Corum out because if he is out, that offense seems to find some other pipeline to get the ball moving downfield because he, when he, I still stand by this. I think he's the best running back in the nation, but yeah. if, you know, he is out. You got to find something else uh, to do that. Cause when he's in, it's even if they know he's running, which is almost every play, he's still going to give you more than five yards usually. And now that's gone. So they got to figure something out with that. Uh, even in general, cause he might be limited. He might not be at a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, that's where I was coming from with it is like, if he's not out there at all, they're really screwed. But even if he is out there, not a hundred percent, that's not really great for them either because, you know, their offense is predicated on his ability to run the ball. And it's like, if he's not a hundred percent, then, you know, they're going to, they're going to take a step back. And I I honestly feel Ohio State's got a good enough defense to hold Michigan to at least under 20 points. And, um, you know, and there's no way in hell Michigan's holding um, Ohio State under 20 points. There's no way. Like, I know they've got a good defense, but there's – Ohio State's got one of the better offenses in the country, and they've got some of the better wide receivers in the country. Um, I don't see it happening, but let's move on. Um, The finish of the day, TCU-Baylor, crazy, crazy finish. Baylor was in control of this game. 
into the fourth quarter, and then TCU scores a late touchdown. They had a two-point conversion to tie. They miss the two-point try. Um, They get a stop. They get the ball back. They're driving down the field. And on third and seven, they decide to run the ball and they're in field goal range and they run the ball with no timeouts and he runs it to the right, I think setting up where the kicker wanted it. And they had a fire drill because the the kicking team had to come out there and the offense gets off. The kicking team comes on. It's a mad scramble. They literally got the kickoff with, I think, I think the snap was at like four seconds yeah, And so, uh, you know, time expired as the kick went in. Just mad dash. They win 29-28, continue their undefeated season. They're 11-0. They have Iowa State this week coming up, and they have – they locked in a berth into the Big 12 championship. Everything is falling in line for them to have this magical season to continue. Um, the Iowa State game is going to be very tough. But uh, I think they can they can win that one, and then the Big Twelve Championship is going to be, I believe, against Kansas State. Right? Have you seen? Is there another scenario where someone else is in there? Um, I have not. Um, I, not that I, I know of with the uh, Big Twelve Championship. Okay, so yeah, TCU is obviously in. And then and the next two, determine. yeah, the next two are Kansas State and Texas. So I believe Kansas State beat Texas, right? Um, they did. Yeah, so they're they're ahead of them, even if they're tied. So if Kansas State, even if uh, they only win next, even if they lose the next game, there must be a scenario then because Oklahoma State can't tie with them because they have four losses. Oh, no, no, no. Kansas, were you asking Kansas State beat Texas? Yeah, did Texas beat them? No, no, no. Texas beat Kansas State. Oh, okay. That's the difference then. Okay, that's why it hasn't been determined yet. So if Kansas State, um, if they uh, lose on Saturday, then Texas will go. So Kansas State has to beat Kansas on Saturday. And I kind of figured that. Because uh, I didn't see them booked into the the championship game yet, so that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so that there's an everything on the line game for Kansas State, Kansas. That's kind of interesting because Kansas is having a better year this year, so it should be an intriguing game. Um, as far as the game goes itself, it was a uh, back and forth game. Max Duggan had another solid game, 327 yards. Uh, through the air, 50 yards on the ground. Uh, Kendra Miller was kind of limited, which is surprising, but they didn't run the ball as much because they were behind almost the entire game. So they had to throw a lot more often than they they usually do. Um, Tay Barber had a really good game, 108 yards. Um, Let's see who else stats-wise. Baylor had a really solid game, pretty – Balance game, 501 yards total. Um, I'm trying to think stat-wise if there's anything that really stood out. Not anything too crazy. Uh, very similar third down efficiency for both teams. Um, handful of punts for both of them. And there was an interception thrown by either 
and Baylor really had the possession there, but there's nothing like that stood out. It was just really, it was the last play. It was whoever's going to have the ball last and TCU happened to have the ball last and, uh, they get the win, and it's just, it's huge. I'm glad for them. Uh, I'm intrigued to see if they can get these next two victories because I'd like to see them play against a team like uh, Georgia. I really – I'm very glad that the teams that seem to be rising to the top at the end of the year uh, have the potential to beat Georgia because, you know – what did Georgia have? They had Michigan last year. That was such a cakewalk. And like, they're not going to get a Michigan this year because Michigan more than likely is going to lose to Ohio state. So they're going to either going to get Ohio state, USC or TCU at this point. I'm really excited to see that because they'll have to win two really tough games just to get in. So um, yeah, I'm excited for TCU. We'll see where it goes. Uh, Anything for you on this one, Ian? I, I was going to say, you want to talk about t- snatching victory off the j- jaws of defeat because TCU was definitely having an off day and they found a way to win. Because remember, they was like what seems like their last possession um, missed the two point conversion to tie it. And I would have thought, and including when they gave, when I was watching the games, they gave the update of that and they yeah. said, you know, they missed the two point conversion. I was like, oh my God, that's it. And I felt yeah. so bad because. I think, like you, I've been pulling for TCU. It, you know, yeah. this is a team that's been screwed around a lot, and they're definitely deserve a shot. Um, if they, and I've always said they are as capable as they can be if they just don't get in their own way. And they almost got in their own way. Yeah, um, they got the ball back, and they found a way. You know, that run play that was very, very risky. I'll, I'll say that at the very yeah. least, I would have passed it just in case. But you know. Yeah, at least, you know, the coaches know how much time you need to put the field goal unit out and all that. Um, but TCU survives and they will clinch the Big 12. Um, well, a spot of the Big 12 championship. And, you know, all rights to them. And they just need to, you know, keep in mind. And like I said, they always find a way to make the big play that is the difference maker to win the champ, to win the game. Yeah. Um, it's a it's an extremely impressive knack they have. Yeah, I mean they've um, they've been a team that doesn't give up, and they seem poised. They have a lot of offensive playmakers. They're the eleventh best offense in the country. Um, their real weakness is the fact that their defense isn't that that strong. Um, it's like 79th, I believe. And, uh, you know, that's going to hurt you when you play t- top offenses. And, you know, Ohio State is one of them. Georgia has a pretty good offense. Um, but like I said, they're very resilient and they won't give up. And I believe sometimes those championship teams are able to make those plays and they keep going all year and it just somehow they're able to do it. A lot of times the, the luck end ends up, you know, running out, which it could be the case here. And I don't want that to happen because I'd like to see this continue. I really enjoy watching them play. They have an exciting offense and, uh, they're, you know, a team to, I don't know. I just, it's different as well. It's a different team in the mix 
instead of the same four teams, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Like, you know, I like having different teams in there. And this is nice to have them up there. So let's move on. Um, so the next game I got is I'm just going to do this one real quick because it was a blowout. Louisiana, FSU, I guess Louisiana is a lot worse than I thought. I didn't realize they were. I mean, I was looking at it. They weren't that great. I mean, they obviously took a step back once uh, uh, Billy Napier left. But Florida State wins 49-17. Um, Florida State didn't really throw the ball that much. They only had 112. Yeah, 112 out of Travis. Um, but they had 251 on the ground. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, yeah, totally took them to task. Um, I'm going to move on from that one. All right, so this is the one we're going to talk about, the depressing one. I ended up listening to the Gator Nation football podcast today, and I usually don't. I try to not listen to it until after we do the podcast so I can, like, come in um, fresh without, like, you know, like getting subconsciously listening to what their thoughts are and adding it into mind. But I wanted to listen to it because I was like, I wanted to hear what they thought of the game. And it obviously, you know, Florida losing 31-24 to Vanderbilt is very, um, I don't know, disappointing. Um, they had so much momentum after beating Texas A&M and then smoking South Carolina. They had a lot going forward for them. It seemed like they were turning the page. The defense was finally doing well. And the defense did well in this game. It wasn't the defense's fault that they lost this game. Um, you know, the really the reason they lost this game was because they uh, committed too many penalties that shot themselves in the foot, especially – it will be on defense. But defense made some stops, but then on certain stops, they committed penalties that negated those stops. So um, – and I will say the turning point, the the turning point play of the game was that um, uh, Kamari Wilson dropped interception that would have been a pick six, and then literally the next play, Jason Marshall drops the uh, punt into the end zone, um, and Vandy picks it up for a touchdown. So it literally was a fourteen point swing in two plays. And that was that was basically the game because that kept Vanderbilt in the game. Um, I think they went up 14-6 at that point. And um, it was, you know, basically a game from then on out. If Kamari Wilson scores that touchdown, or even if just Jason Marshall gets the punt and Florida does score there at the end of that half, it's – Four, uh, it's uh, it would be 14 or 13 7. Not that it's that big of a difference, but then Florida gets the ball back as well. They got some momentum, who knows what goes in from there. But it's just, it was so deflating. It was, it was basically, um, kept them right in the game. And then, you know, uh, Vanderbilt's quarterback made some plays, uh, he had three TDs, um. I guess the thing that I know the other people, other people were kind of like clamoring for on Twitter was the fact that they were mad at Anthony Richardson. Well, AR had 400 yards of passing three TDs. 
He had an interception that was like a fluke interception. I don't even know how that guy got it. Um, he just didn't run the ball, but it was also the fact that Vanderbilt stacked the line and they were daring them to throw it all the time. And they did have to throw it and they did, and they converted some of them, but they just weren't as good. And I don't know if you saw Ian, but um, there were a lot of injuries in this game to wide receivers coming mm-hmm. into it. And then during, and it looks like there's going to be like five uh, scholarship wide receivers that are injured for next week. So um, it's going to be a tough task for them against FSU, but I don't know. It sucks. It's I'm disappointed. I wish a better result had happened. Um, You know, they, they're definitely a better team than Vanderbilt as far as like talent wise, but Clark Lee had them coached up. They were ready to play. Um, They took advantages. They took advantage of the situation um and uh it's just florida's got to be ready for these games you know it's week in week out sec is a grind and you know you can't just expect a cakewalk through teams like vanderbilt because it's not the same vanderbilt the last you know four or five years it's definitely a much better team they beat kentucky um you know they they're five and six they have a chance at a bowl game next week against tennessee I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it, underplaying the fact that Vanderbilt is good. I'm just saying Vanderbilt is definitely a better team than they used to be. And, you know, it's – but it's also not the end of the world for Florida. They, um, they still have a lot to play for. They have the FSU game this week, and they have a bowl game. They could get to 8-5, and five, which if, if they're 8-5 and five after the first year with Billy, that's a huge – huge step forward. So there's a lot to play for. Um, You know, the season's not over. There's still two games to play. Uh, But what are your thoughts, Ian? I want to hear you. I'm with you. It was deflating because it was such a huge step back in all facets. It was especially the penalties. The penalties is what really ticked me off the most because we had – there were dumb ones. They were personal foul penalties. Like there was one where it was the one of the drives that Vandy scored on was a they went three and out. He threw the ball, uh, you know, right through the ball away, and it was been three and out. And it was a holding call, which was completely unnecessary on uh, the defense. And then Florida, I believe they had like a, a like a twelve thirteen yard run for a first down to get like as soon as they got the ball back to get the drive going. And then stupid personal, like a completely unnecessary shove after, um, I believe it was Johnson who was running it. And yeah. um, like, and then there was another one where Johnson was running it and he would have been at the three yard line and another stupid, completely unnecessary personal foul. It's like, this is what I said. I, and, this is one it goes on coaching because I remember and I t- yeah. texted you this and I texted almost everybody this. I said, yeah. how do you not coach your team up for this? Like, this yeah. is as like, I'm not saying Vandy and no disrespect to Vandy. Vandy has gotten a lot better, but it's up to the coaches to know that they need to tell these guys, Hey, this is not, a, you know, some D2 scrub. This isn't the usual Vandy that, you know, can dunk 50 points on. 
Yeah. You have to go in and win, you know, fight to win. And they didn't. They're, Vandy clearly wanted it more. And that was so obvious. And that was what was disheartening because I've seen that from the team last year where they just didn't want it. They didn't want to, you know, it was clear on games they lost. The other team wanted it more. And I was thinking how, like, how I just don't understand that. It was very, you know, upsetting, disappointing. And again, it was the same problem with the defense where they just could not get off the field on third down. It was like, I don't know what it is. I, I remember I made the joke watching the game. I was like, do you think the teams just call like, to like, I literally said, I swear there's going to be like FSU or whatever team we play in the bowl game is going to spike it the first two plays until it gets to third down. So then they can, you know, get the first down because I don't know what it is and why they stop on, uh, you know, it seems like trying or covering on the third, third down. It was very, you know, it was, it was just a very like, Honestly, you know, that's all the way to put it. It was a depressing, you know, game because it was a game that Florida was in all fast is uh, Florida is still a better team talent wise, and they outgained Vaney by double. But it's the same story; they couldn't get out of their own way, and Vaney took every advantage they had. They capitalized on the turnovers, um, both the f- fumble recovery and the you know interception, and. It was just clear. Vandy wanted it more, which is absolutely unacceptable for a team like Florida. Um, and I understand they were injured and all that, but it's the same thing that, you know, I said about Texas A&M. It was like, you know, I understand that you're injured, but some of this has to go on coaching. It's like you have to coach your team. up, And that didn't happen in Nashville. So, you know, I, I always say you can, you know, you know, and I remember I made this the first time I said this was after the LSU game in 2020. I said, you can make excuses about the cold, the injuries, all that, but it's still going to show up in a loss in the record book. And there's nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, you know, it's only the second time that I've seen Florida lose to Vanderbilt uh, in my lifetime. So, um well, at least my viewing lifetime, you know, I'd be, there were a few times, I think Vanderbilt won when I was like two or three, but uh, no, it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely frustrating because, you know, you, Billy wants to turn this program around and I believe he'll do it. I have no doubt in my mind that he is the right guy to do this. Um, there are certain aspects of the team that need to be worked on. Um, you know, offensively, we need to get better at the end of the first half. For whatever reason, there's a struggle there to get that um, ironed out. Um, you know, they've got turnovers down for the most part. Yes, there were two in this game, but there was also two by Vanderbilt. So it's a it's a even from as far as turnover margin and they're plus whatever on turnover margin for the year. So they've done better turnover margin all year. And yes, the penalties were bad in this game, but they've been relatively low all year. Like this was this was the worst penalized game and i think more so the fact that it was 
the when the penalties were not necessarily just that there were penalties it was specifically when they occurred obviously on third downs were the the biggest problem and not being able to get off the field but also when they were uh halting our the florida drives you know it was really you know the first half florida looked you know very sluggish getting that offensive going and you know, there was another aspect that uh, Gator Nation football podcast, uh, one of their breakdowns of the film. And I, you know, I noticed it when the, during the game, it was that third and goal and Montrell is wide open. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to catch that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he was looking at. And Montrell has been solid all year, except for that um, Utah fumble. So, you know, you got to give him a pass because he's not going to be perfect, but it was really, he was wide open. He catches that ball. He more than likely scores. I don't see anyone stopping him. And that would have set the tone for the rest of the game, but it was kind of, you know, set the tone negatively. And it was like, you know, Florida just didn't, couldn't really ever get the wheels in motion. They made a lot of plays in the second half because they had to, to stay in the game. Um, but they never were in control of this game at any single point. Uh, Vanderbilt had control and was dictating things the entire time. And that's what's really frustrating is that Florida has been the the team to dictate what the pace is for the most part. And they just weren't able to. Um, but uh I think they'll do better this week against Florida State um, just on the sheer fact that it's a rivalry game and they will be ready to play for it. We'll see, though. We'll talk about that later. Okay, let's move on. Uh, We were talking about Kansas State earlier. Kansas State, West Virginia. Kansas State wins 48-31. to Um, Will Howard had a solid game. I don't know what's going on with Adrian Martinez. I don't know. I just haven't seen what his injury situation is like. Um, but Will Howard is still doing well. He's he's a more of a pocket passer anyways. Um, but he had uh, three TDs total, one on the ground, two in the air. Um, and I don't know what happened to JT Daniels either. He must be hurt because they had uh, this guy Garrett Green in. And I haven't seen him all year, so I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but you know, Mountaineers four and seven, just kind of really terrible year for them. I don't know. It's kind of hard to win in West Virginia and especially when they have to play big 12 teams. So I don't know what to expect with this West Virginia team going forward, but it doesn't look good. But on the other side, Kansas state looks great. have an opportunity to get the big 12 championship. Like we talked about, um, they're definitely a very competent team on both offense and defense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this Kansas State team, um, and I'm I would be intrigued if they do get that win and and TCU is undefeated. It would be um, a matchup of an eight and or a nine and three Kansas State and a twelve and zero TCU. So, you know, with the playoff on the line, you know, it'd be very cool to see that game. Anything from this, Ian? Um, I think, no. For me, it was just West Virginia ran out of gas. Um, They were definitely going blow for blow early with uh, K-State, but they just didn't have enough in the tank um, to withstand it. But 
for Kansas State, again, you know, good job uh, offensively and especially defensively capitalizing on, you know, getting those turnovers and limiting the um, offense when they could. Um, the offense definitely needed to, you know, sharpen a few things up. Um, you know, it's a joke, it's a typical Big 12 um, game. Um, but they were able to, you know, like a somewhere to TCU get the big plays when necessary, um, and they never really seemed, at least for Kansas State, there was never really an issue of them scoring. I mean, 28 points in one quarter is pretty impressive. Um, So they definitely could score it well. Um, But, you know, good win for Kansas State. They just need to keep the momentum going. Okay, moving on. Georgia, Kentucky. This was a very uh boring game there was only one touchdown in the entire game and will levis kept the fighting wildcats in it but they just couldn't uh they couldn't really get over the hump um bennett only had 116 yards had a terrible pick at one point um kenny mcintosh went off for them uh 143 on the ground on a td there was something that was interesting I saw at the end of the half. They were able to get a field goal, and the only reason they got the field goal was because Brock Bowers got tackled heading toward the sideline, and he went backwards. And if you go backwards, technically the clock should continue to roll. And so if that was the case, if the clock continued to roll – then they wouldn't they they wouldn't have gotten that field goal because the half would have ended, and if they didn't get that field goal, it would have been thirteen six. That's still a one score game. I don't know how much game pressure that would have been on Georgia that could have played into decision making into the game the rest of the way, but kind of important in the grand scheme because I was like. You know, it's not that big of a deal when you like you're watching the game and like, oh, it's just the end of the half, whatever. But really, it really kind of did make a difference because it's like if it is a one score game at the end, then, you know, there's game pressure on Georgia to get first downs to end the game. And then there's also um, game pressure on Georgia's defense to make stops because, you know, it's only one score. So um, but I again I don't think Georgia is as good as everyone thinks. I think they're very beatable. This game proves it even more so. Um, this game, the Missouri game, um, you know, and, you know, Missouri and Kentucky have the best defenses, the defenses in the East besides Georgia. So they were able to make Georgia's offense very uh, one-dimensional and also uh, – you know, they could take advantage of Stetson Bennett's uh, deficiencies. Um, I think Georgia can be beat. I don't know if LSU is going to do it in the SEC championship game. I really don't think Georgia Tech's going to do it. Um, really, the teams that are going to do it is probably going to be uh, Ohio State or USC. Those are the two most likely. And uh, we'll see. I mean, there's... There's definitely a possibility that they'll play one of those. Um, and I'd like to see them play both of them just to truly say then, like if they were able to beat both of those teams and then be back-to-back champions, I would I would give them credit. 
But as of right now, I'm not willing to until I see it on the field. And they've got an opportunity here, so we'll we'll see what happens. But what are your thoughts, Ian? Uh, this is I, I remember saying this is the what you get when you have a great defense against a bad offense. And honestly, Kentucky's offense is not good enough. And there was never really any doubt. Georgia wasn't giving them a, a sniff of the red zone. Um, yeah. And even then, for Georgia, their offense, this is the beauty of having a really good defense. Your offense can be mediocre at best during the day, and you will still comfortably you know, win. I knew you know, Georgia went up 16 nothing, and I was like, they, they've got this. Because there's no way <laughs> they're going to blow a 16-point lead. A double, yeah. you know, a two possession lead. I can't. I need to look that up. But I don't remember the last time a Georgia's defense has blown a double digit or two possession lead. Um, if it, it, it happened to a Kirby Smart uh, team, it must have been really early on because uh, the one trademark for them is that the, you only Georgia only loses is if they keep teams in games, and Kentucky was never in this game, so they, you know, just kind of as I always say constricted their way and just suffocated them early and Georgia, you know, gets the win. They remain undefeated and, you know, easily will walk into the SEC championship, you know, based on the back once again of how, you know, very tough that defense is because it's, it's similar to, you know, as bad as their offense has been and can be the one consistency has been their defense. So they need, yeah. you know, if the defense is on front of once they face a tougher opponent, we'll see how it goes. But once the defense is on, the offense can kind of breathe a bit and not have to worry about you know, scoring every drive. It definitely takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Ohio State, Maryland, much closer game than the final score uh, is shows itself as because – Ohio State wins 43-30, but they got a um, defensive score on, like, the basic last play of the game. Yeah. And so it should have – it was really a three-point game, I believe. I would uh, say – I think they were up 36 to 30. And yeah, so a six-point game, sorry. Yeah, it was like a – one of – like a – they were on, like, the 10-yard line, Maryland was, and they just had some bad play, and then uh, Ohio State picked it up and scored. But – um Regardless, C.J. Stroud looked okay, not great, but Maryland played pretty damn well in this game. Um, Dallin Hayden went off, had 146 yards on the ground and three TDs. Um, I don't know what's going on with Travion Henderson. He didn't look great. Um, uh, You know, Maryland's offense is decent. You know, there's – been games where they've been kind of non-existent. I think the Penn State game. I think they were they were shut out by them. But um, but Tagovailoa has been decent throughout the year, and yeah, he kept them in the game. Uh, it was probably a lot closer than Ohio State fans would have wanted, but you know, total yardage was basically even. It was one yard difference, and. Um, there was only one one turnover difference. That was Maryland lost a fumble. A lot of penalties. Both teams had 10-plus penalties. Kind of ridiculous, even on time of possession. Just a, 
I don't know, Ohio State, because I was keeping track of the game when I was watching it, you know, they were ahead, like, into the third quarter, and it was like, oh, they got this one. They'll they'll probably take advantage of this one because they were they were down at half 10, uh, 10 to 13, but then they went up in the third quarter, and I was like, oh, this is – this is over. They got this. And, you know, Maryland came back and made it a lot closer. Um, but what are your thoughts, Ian? So, yeah, Ohio State, I honestly think they just fell asleep at the wheel. Um, they twice wouldn't let Maryland go away. And I think that was mostly on the defense. They were just wouldn't, you know, put the hammer down. They, you know, kept Maryland in the game early. And then they, you know, finally clicked in the second half. They, you know, they went up like 27 to 13, and they were up by 10 points usually. But then Maryland kept coming back, kept coming back, and, you know, they just wouldn't go away. Um, so, really, I, th- I think for Ohio State, they definitely got lucky. They were clearly the better team. Um, but the defense definitely did not have that killer instinct needed to put a Maryland team that was obviously had nothing to lose um, away and they got by very luckily and I think it was the same thing for Michigan they got both teams those teams got by lucky just I feel like they were just looking at the week ahead and they forgot they had a game to take care of this week Um, but they get the win they survive Um, no harm no foul yeah um I I still think this Ohio State team is going to be in the playoff. I think they're going to beat Michigan, and then they'll beat whoever they're going to play in the Big Ten Championship. I believe right now it's Iowa. Um, and so I, I think Ohio State's going to get there, and I think they're really good, and I think they'll they'll correct whatever was wrong here. Um, but uh, regardless, um, it was obviously a very close game. Uh, Maryland played them very tough, but um, Ohio State gets the win, and that's all that matters, especially in a day where TCU barely wins, Michigan barely wins, um, Georgia only wins by 10. Um, you know, it it was a day of survive and advance type day. So let's move on. Um, the next game we had was Miami-Clemson. Clemson just smokes Miami. This game was, I mean, I think Miami had like nine yards of offense in the first half and just they had a total of 68 yards passing, just atrocious uh, total yards for the game. They had less than a hundred. I mean, that's pathetic. And uh, Clemson was obviously way better. You know, they're just the better team right now. Um, They go on to now be 10 and one and have a chance at something potentially, I don't know. It'd be it would be kind of, you know, out of left field if they were to get to the um uh to get to the playoff. But stranger things have happened. So um oh I'm just seeing now that Colorado has offered Deion Sanders a contract. So I know it's balls no, in it's- your court, USF. Um I would love <laughs> to have Dion, but you know, if he's going to if they're going to get outbid, there's nothing he could do. But I would think that Dion would rather be in Florida because he knows the Florida recruiting grounds better 
I don't know how well you can recruit Colorado, but um, anything from this game, Ian, it's kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, like you said, speaks for itself. You know, Miami was outgunned and outclassed. Clemson, clearly the better team. And like you said, an offense that's just been stuck in the mud continue to sink deeper. You know, I I do think they only had like 90 yards of total offense. They couldn't get out of their own way and Clemson leaped all over them. So Clemson gets the freebie. Okay. Uh, NC State, Louisville. Just do this one real quick. Uh, Louisville wins 25-10. Um, Louisville is now ranked again. Uh, they're both 7-4 after the game. So uh, I'm... I don't have much from this game. Just it was kind of a close game until late. Uh, but uh, um, all right, let's move on. This one was important. Georgia Tech, UNC. UNC was 9-1 and one coming into the game. They were up 17-0. And then Georgia Tech proceeds to score 21 straight points in the second quarter on to win 21-17. Just I don't know what happened there. And Drake, uh, Drake Mays. Heisman hopes went out the window because he threw an interception, had no touchdowns, and had, had less than uh, he had only like two hundred two yards passing. Just I don't know well, uh, anything from this game that stood out to you. Yeah, I, I felt like this was the ACC equivalent of Vanderbilt being beating Florida. Yeah, Georgia Tech. Well, I, I honestly that's a bit harsh, but because Vandy is actually better, Georgia Tech has been punting this season and it somehow after they fired um Jeff Collins that they you know have improved you know they, they beat Pitt they squeak out against Duke and then they beat Bodtech in North Carolina and they've all been in like heart stopping fashion. Um but yeah this is where I'm you know again North Carolina is the better team and they had this game they're up you know three scores there's three possessions 17 nothing and then you can't score another point after halftime. That is, you can't, you can't have that. Absolutely unacceptable. So I, I agree. Yeah, the offense was completely, you know, really hit a wall and really disappointing for North Carolina because they were rolling and they were undefeated um, in a, they were undefeated in conference play. Yeah, um, their only loss was to Notre Dame, and then they just lay an absolute egg in this one. Um, but for Georgia Tech, they showed up, and like I said, you can't just you know sleepwalk into these games anymore. Yeah, I mean, you really can't because you know you're going to get beat, and um, you know, just like Florida, you know, like you said, Florida Vandy game it was the same thing. So. Let's move on. Ole Miss, Arkansas. Speaking of letdowns, Scott, Arkansas was smoking Ole Miss. They were up 42 to 6 at one point. Ole Miss, you know, scored a lot in the fourth, but that, it was it was embarrassing, like how uh how bad Arkansas was beating them. Um it wasn't like Arkansas was dominating through the air. It was just really on the ground. Raheem Sanders had 232 yards on the ground, three TDs, just 
crazy good day for him. Um, but God, and Ole Miss, it wasn't like they weren't moving the ball either because Judkins had a huge game and Ole Miss had 700 yards of total offense, yet only could uh, manage six points through three quarters, which is crazy. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Ian? Yeah, I, I, you know, this was definitely one of the most surprising games of a crazy weekend because Ole Miss, like you said, had over 700 yards of total offense. And, you know, the passing and rushing game was effective, but, oh, my gosh, you want to talk about burying yourself deep. You're down 42-6 to six going into the fourth quarter. Like, how do you let that happen? How does the defense let that happen? Arkansas had over 500 yards of an you know an Arkansas team that has been very inconsistent, especially offensively. Um, now you know they have been held in check before. You know they lost to A and M, they lost to Bama, and they lost badly to Mississippi. And of course, you know the blunders against LSU and Liberty. And you would have thought the offense was going backwards, but somehow Ole Miss gave them a gift and just would. You know, as soon as they crossed the offensive line, that you know the seas were parted uh, yeah. for either Jefferson or Sanders. Um, you know, the rushing game, like I said, with Tulane, the rushing game just killed them. Um, if you, you're you know effectively rushing the ball, not a whole lot of teams are going to stop you, and you're more than likely not going to lose the game. And that's what happened. And once Ole Miss was starting to score and get rolling, it was way too little, way too late. So it's definitely a setback. For Ole Miss, um, for sure, because this is a game that, you know, again, on paper, they should win and are better, but definitely didn't show on the scoreboard. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Speaking of huge ass whoopings and upsets, Tennessee, South Carolina, Tennessee loses 63 to 38. I don't think anyone saw this coming. I know I had predicted that. Tennessee should whoop them. I mean, the week before, South Carolina scored zero points on offense. And this week, uh, they scored, I think, all of their points on offense. And uh, Spencer Rattler had six TDs uh, in the air. They had another three TDs on the ground. So that's nine total touchdowns on offense compared to zero the week before. It's just amazing turnaround difference from the game they played against Florida to what they played against Tennessee. I have said all year that I thought Tennessee's defense was terrible. I thought that from the very beginning, and it is proven in this game tenfold because South Carolina's offense is not very good, and they were dominant in this game. And, like, they were – the. I mean, Spencer Rattler only had seven incompletions. He nearly had more touchdowns than incompletions. Um, you know, they were it, – it, it, it was never close. It was 21-7 at one point, and it was just pouring it on. They just kept going. They kept scoring, kept scoring. And, you know, it's funny that Tennessee got this ass-whooping that they probably deserve because they were – man – they had such high hopes. They were like, we're going to the playoff. You know, that Georgia game was uh, a fluke. You know, our offense, whatever. And the the really, the thing that I'm not going to say they deserve, because they didn't deserve this, and neither did Hendon Hooker, but Hendon Hooker um, tore his ACL, and that was terrible, especially at the end of the game, because it was more than likely that Tennessee was not going to get back in that game. 
and it was such a terrible thing to see Hendon Hooker go down. Um, he had such a great year, and at this point, he may get to New York, like maybe invited, but maybe not, just because who knows? I don't know what will happen. I mean, I we'll talk about Heisman a little later, but uh, just a you know. I mean that their season is done. Like the playoff is uh, n- no way it's a possibility now. You cannot get blown out that bad, and Hendon Hooker get hurt and think that you have a possibility of the playoff. There's no way. There is no way a Tennessee gets back into it. And I say that when Alabama is on the verge of getting back into contention as we speak. So I guess you never say never in these cases because anything can happen. I mean, if LSU beats Georgia. Um, I don't know what'll happen. I don't know what that'll if they'll end up picking just Georgia or they'll get another SEC team. As of right now, I don't think they're going to get two. I think there's only going to be one SEC team. But uh, what are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, this was definitely very surprising um, because I, like you, thought Tennessee would have. You know, I thought it was going to be a shootout, but this was more based that South Carolina had been going backwards. Um, as a team, um, you know, they, they offense doesn't look good against Florida the week before. Um, and then, you know, they only put up like 10 points against, I believe it was Missouri. And they were starting to look better against Vandy the week after Missouri before Florida. But I would have guessed, I would have said, okay, South Carolina's offense. I keep, I don't trust them enough to be consistent to really, you know, go toe to toe for a Tennessee offense, which I believe was the best offense in the country and that didn't last um and i agree the tennessee defense and like you i've said it was the achilles heel that defense was not good enough um to hang into a lot of especially against georgia um it was you know they definitely relied on the offense um more than you know they probably would and then tennessee was starting to you know kind of creep back in you know South Carolina went up, I believe, 35 to 17 at one point. But then Tennessee, you know, they scored a touchdown, scored a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, once Hendon Hooker went down, it was, you know, game over. And I'm, at that point, I think South Carolina, you know, put up like 28 unanswered points after the third quarter. And, you know, you're you're done at that point. So for Tennessee, it, it sucks because they had, you know, the path was still there for them in the playoff, but, you know, they just couldn't, you know, solve South Carolina. Um, easily South Carolina's best game, and honestly, Spencer Rattler's best game, maybe of his career. He was fantastic and was everything that we thought he would be at Oklahoma. Um, and unfortunately for Tennessee, he lived up to it against them. Yeah, and I don't know. I... I'm intrigued with this Tennessee, like, like where they're heading, because it seems like this might be their ceiling. You know, like this seems like this is the best they're going to be able to do is like a nine and three, ten and two type year. And um, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever get their defense up to snuff, but uh, we'll see in the next year or two how that goes. But okay, let's move on. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma wins 28-13. They were up 28-0 and uh, just held on from there. 
Uh, Spencer Sanders had a huge game, but he also had four picks. So, you know, and he threw 67 passes. That's insane. 67 passes is ridiculous. Um, Dylan Gabriel was okay, but really it was the beginning of the game that they jumped out to that huge lead and just kind of, I don't know, just held on for dear life there at the end. Um, But uh, Oklahoma definitely looking a lot better, and Oklahoma State is definitely trending down. Uh, What are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, I – I'm really upset and disappointed because I I thought you know OK State was the best most complete Big Twelve team, um, but it, I've I've mentioned it before. As soon as they would, they were became one dimensional with Sanders, and when the rushing attack wasn't there, it became flat. And of course, when you give up 28 unanswered points to lead off a quarter, that is far beyond the start you want. Um, and again, turnovers just got in the way. They committed four turnovers. Um, I know they outgained Oklahoma, but you know Oklahoma was just kind of cruising because they knew once you're down twenty-eight, nothing. You know, Oklahoma State has to throw the ball, and once they figured that out, there was you know nothing. Spencer Sanders, he try all he could and throw as many passes and throw as many picks as he could, but there was no getting out of it. It was a very disappointing you know step back again for Oklahoma State, who I thought was lined up for the Big 12 championship, but I was mistaken. Um, and for Oklahoma, they get a big win. It was, I think it's Venable's, honestly, his biggest win so far his tenure at Oklahoma, even though it's his first year. Uh, but he gets this statement win. Okay, moving on. The game of the day. I was going to go to this game. I just was so tired from work. I had, I had worked like my first um full week on a tv show that i've ever done so i worked like at least 60 65 hours um and i was dead tired you know we were really late on the friday night into the saturday so and then i woke up to watch the gator game so i only got like four hours of sleep and i tried napping during the day because i really wanted to go to the game and i just couldn't get myself to get rest so um i stayed in that night and got some sleep finally, but I was able to watch this game and this game totally lived up to the billing. Caleb Williams totally lived up to his hype, 470 yards, three TDs total between the ground and the, uh, the air. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson played well, but he had three interceptions and especially that last one was the key, but USC wins 48-45. You know, they still have a playoff potential. They're number five in the playoff rankings right now. They uh, they have a chance at the Pac-12 uh, championship. Um, so they'll have the Notre Dame game this week, and then they'll have the Pac-12 championship if either Oregon or um, – I believe Washington have a shot at it. And, uh, you know, so Washington, I think right now, uh, Washington, I think if they beat Washington State, they tie Oregon. So I think they need Oregon to lose. So, um, but regardless, I think USC can win both these games and they can get in. And I think Caleb Williams is the Heisman winner. As of right now, I think this game cemented that fact i think more so than any other game any other 
like big game matchup between a Heisman candidate. This was the moment that man, he was throwing balls like running to his left and throwing back across his body to the right and throwing it like a perfect spiral right to people. It was, he was, he was just unreal. The kid is amazing. Um, The defense is not as good as they would need. So they might have issues with uh, Ohio state and potentially Georgia, but I still think this team is one of the better teams in the country and they proved it on Saturday and it was close. UCLA had a chance at the end, like I said, DTR through that interception. Um, but, man, I feel bad for UCLA because UCLA really came to play. And uh, I, I I predicted that USC was going to win in a close game, and they did. And, you know, I, I'm excited for this USC team. I'm excited to see where they go and, and potentially where it will uh, end up because the – Championship game is here in L.A. for the playoffs, so it would be a home game for them. You know, it would be kind of crazy in this town if USC gets to the playoff championship game as last year L.A. got to the Super Bowl in L.A., so it would be at the Rams. So it would be wild if, you know, in one year both of the – football teams get to the championship in each sport. So that'd be crazy. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, this was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this was a barn burner. Um, absolutely lived up to the hype and the, you know, status of the rivalry. Um, it, it did come down to who made, you know, the bigger plays and less mistakes. And you UCLA just kept tripping over themselves. They committed too many turnovers. DTR, you know, gave up the interception. Um, a couple of them, but it was you know USC was just <laughs> unstoppable. It seemed like um they you know and UCLA definitely got out to a jump start, but USC didn't flinch. They didn't blink. Um, they were down twenty one to ten at one point, and then they just like the machine they are. They kept rolling and rolling. It does show kind of the crease in the armor of them is that defensively they are not sound at all. Um, UCLA was able to go up and down with them, but. USC was able to capitalize on the turnovers and take advantage of them. Um, and it was one of those things, too. Um, you got to remember, uh, Tremino wasn't really as big of a factor in the game. Um, I don't think he had 100 yards. Um, Just shy you know, of it. It was like 90-something. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, the, you know, the Russian attack, you know, like, like I always say, if you have a balanced attack, it's really tough for a team to, you know, figure out what was going with it. But I agree. Caleb Williams was the difference maker. And honestly, the better team did win. The USC just had the better talent. And, and that's really what was the difference maker. Um, it was a fantastic game up there with game of the year. Um, but, you know, the better team won and USC, you know, goes on another fantastic you know fantastic season for that yeah um the one thing i will counter ucla has like a top five offense so remember that take the the defenses lacking in this game for usc just because ucla does have one of the better offenses in the country okay uh moving on Syracuse Wake Forest. I'll do this real quick. Syracuse 
Uh, Wake Forest wins 45-35. Sam Hartman has a pretty solid game. Finally cutting down on those turnovers. All right, moving on. We'll do this one real quick, too. UAB, LSU. LSU wins 41-10. Not really much to say there. LSU, uh, Jaden Daniels had 297 yards passing and 111 on the ground, so solid game there. Okay, last game to talk about for the week. Uh, Oregon, Utah, very close game, back and forth. Uh, Oregon wins 2017. Cam Rising with three interceptions, un- unlike him, very unlike him. Uh, Oregon uh, does enough to win. Bo Nix kind of... Uh, not humbled. I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, he was unable. He just was not injured per se, but he was just coming back from the injury from the week before. And he was uh, unable to be his normal running self. So he was limited on the ground. He only had, uh, he had negative three yards on the ground, but he was able to pass the ball pretty well. He had 287 through the air. He had an interception as well. Um, Oregon had three turnovers. It was kind of back and forth with the turnovers in this game. Um, Utah had the time of possession and seemingly was in this game to the very end. Just couldn't uh, punch it in to uh, get the get the uh, field goal to tie or get the win. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game before we move on? Um, I'm, you know, thoughts exactly. It was, you know, especially for Bo Nix, He, I, I still don't think he was 100%. Um, but again, this is another game where it was, you know, both teams I think are very even and the score, t- you know, tells the story about that. Um, it, it was as deadlocked as I could get. Um, but you know, Oregon was able to, you know, get the play plays out. Um, and you know, they limited, um, Utah's, um, chances as much as they could. Um, Cam Ryan's three interceptions were definitely, um, very, detrimental um but overall this was a good game good defensive battle um but oregon oregon did find a way to just sneak the win out and get the big plays when they did they were found a way to get these third um convert on these uh third downs um where utah just couldn't get off the field and i think that was the difference really and uh oregon still has an opportunity to get to the pac-12 championship so still have a lot to play for in this Oregon State game, which we'll, we'll talk about in the look ahead. So let's move on. Uh, like I said, Heisman-wise, I've got Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams has set the bar pretty high. It would take a very substantial game from C.J. Stroud or um, I don't even know really anyone else that really – could take it away. I think CJ Stroud is the only other one. I think it's Caleb and CJ's to win. And I think Caleb is ahead at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts Heisman wise? Yeah, my Heisman, I, you know, I got besides, you know, obviously, um, Caleb Williams, uh, uh I would say, uh, Blake Corum, um, is up there. I, I'd still just in terms of, you know, game breaker Bryce Young, I, I put in there as well. Um, and I did have Hendon Hooker, but I I have scratched him since, you know, yeah. with the ACL, he's just gone, which is honestly a crying shame. Yeah. Okay. Uh, playoff teams. I want to hear what what are your playoff teams? 
Um, my playoff teams are almost exactly the same as the actual playoff. It's yeah. Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, TCU at four. I have flipped though. My um, I have LSU at five and USC at six. Yeah, I have Ohio State, Georgia, USC, TCU, Michigan, Alabama. And the reason I have it the way that I have it is I think that's what it's going to end up. Okay. All right. Week 13, look ahead. There's a lot of games. So let's do these quick um, because we've already gone. We've already been at least this for an hour. So let's do. All right. Mississippi State, Ole Miss. What do you got on this one, Ian? I think Ole Miss rebounds. Um, after this one, I I think it's a shootout. It's another classic eight bowl game, but I think Ole Miss gets the last possession, wins it. I want to take the Rebels. I'm going to go with a 38 to 31 win for Ole Miss. And I I think that seems what is the most likely here. I don't love Mississippi State's defense. Um, their offense can move the ball, and I think that we'll be able to move the ball against. Um, Ole Miss, but Ole Miss will be able to move the ball, and I think they'll be able to score a lot. I think Mississippi wins, like probably thirty to twenty-two. That's what I got. Okay, the next game we've got is Tulane Cincinnati. Um, I think that Tulane will more than likely get this victory because um, I like their overall team compared to um oh, god damn it i did something with my fucking computer fuck i'm like not <laughs> oh shit i screwed up my keyboard oh no oh great i did something wrong oh whatever i'm not going to be able to keep the scores oh no i can't i'll just try my best here okay so um I'm going to say Tulane wins this. I'm going to say Tulane wins probably like, let's say, 35 to 28. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Um, this is going to be really close, honestly. I think both these teams are as even as even can get. But I will – I'm going to take Tulane. I usually will go Cincy at home, but I think Tulane – finds a way to win. I think it's going to maybe come down to a last-second field goal. I'll go with a 24-21 to win for the Green Wave. That's kind of low scoring. Okay. Um, NC State-UNC. Does Drake May come back from that uh, terrible game against Georgia Tech? I honestly... I think he does because NC State has done very good against pretty middle-of-the-road defense, but I think with Drake May, if he is on, which I think he should be, and less of the you know pressures on him, I think they find a way to get the big plays. I think NC State hangs around a lot longer than they should, but I think North Carolina just has a better offense, so I'm going to take North Carolina winning this one. I'm going to go with a 31-21 to win for the Tar Heels. Okay, I got it. Twenty to twenty-four Tar Heels, and I just think that uh, they're going to be able to score enough because this NC State defense is decent. Like they're able to get stops and cause turnovers, but I think that uh, 
Um, the NC State offense will not be good enough to take advantage of how good the defense will play. And I think Drake may, he'll make enough plays that um, they should be able to win this game. Okay, moving on. Um, Nebraska, Iowa. And I'm, Iowa now has a chance to get into the Big Ten championship. Does Iowa do it? I think Iowa does. I think Iowa wins this game. I'm going to say very low scoring. I'm going to say like 14 to 10. And I know that's pathetic, but that's what a participant in the Big Ten championship is going to score on Saturday. That's how sad it is. Okay, Ian, what do you got in this game? You think that's sad? This is my prediction, and I'm being dead-ass honest. All right. I'm going to take Iowa. 13 to 3. Yeah, I, I believe it. I, I'm I'm not doubting that the, they have a really good defense. I know that. They can they they play very well against people, but their offense is, you know, setting offense back like 50 years. And uh, you know, I just I don't like watching it. I'm Going to try not to pay attention to the game because it's going to be terrible. So let's move on. UCLA, Cal. I think UCLA uh, comes back in this one. I think they're going to score like probably, uh, let's say, 52. I'm going to go 52 to like 24. What do you got, Ian? Uh, I'm going to take UCLA and I'm going to, I think they just run over Cal. I think. Their offense is too good, and Cal's defense has not been good enough. So I'm going to take Cal winning this one. I'm going to go with a 45 to 23 win for the Bruins. Okay. Last regular season of the game. <laughs> Last regular season game of the year for Florida. Going up against Florida State in Tallahassee. Um, last time they played there was. 2018 because they didn't play the game in 2020 and they kept just going back and forth with what the schedule is uh, as far as um, the flip-flopping of each home game. So they, they went back to Gainesville last year and now uh, they're going to be in Tallahassee this year, Florida, you know, after losing to Vanderbilt doesn't have a lot of momentum um, you know, they have a lot of receivers out. There's five of them out. I believe Shorter's out, Henderson's out, uh, Frazier's is out, Burke is out, and I can't remember the one guy's name. He's got the hyphenated name, Bowman. Uh, mm-hmm. Bowman's out. Uh, so that's five guys that are out. The only real ones that are in are potentially Pearsall, um, Reynolds, uh, the tight ends. I think Zipper might be back. So uh, they're going to have to rely on the run game. Florida State is very good in the passing attack um, or passing defense there. Like, I can't remember what their rank was, but it was pretty high up. But their run defense is not as strong. It's like in the, uh, I believe, 50s. So I think Florida can run the ball on them if they choose to do so. What Vanderbilt did last week was they focused on taking away the run, you know, stacking the line, um, putting a lot of numbers in the run game uh, in their favor. 
and forced Anthony to throw. It's going to be a struggle without all those wide receivers. Um, can Anthony make those plays? Can he, you know, get out of the pocket and make some plays? Um, I think Florida's defense, conversely, is going to have, have a struggle with uh, Florida State's rushing attack. Um, they have two really good running backs. Jordan Travis can run the ball. I don't really respect Jordan Travis as a thrower. I respect him more as a runner. Um, I think Jordan Travis, you know, can move the ball effectively enough to win this game. I think Florida State wins probably probably 30 to like 24. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, I'm – yeah, I just don't – there's too many guys out. They're not out being Florida State. They're, they've got something to prove. Um, I'm going to take Florida State winning this one. I'm going to see them pulling away. I'll go with almost exactly. I'm going to go 34 to 21 uh, for the Seminoles. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Please. Yeah. Okay, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia. What, what do you got in this one? Georgia wins easy. Uh, they don't blink. I'm going to go 30 to three, eh, 30 to six. They get a field goal late. Yeah, I think it's going to be a blowout as well. I think uh, Georgia wins 44 uh, 14. Okay, uh, the big game, number two versus number three. Michigan versus Ohio State. It's in Columbus. I'm going to go first. I think Ohio State wins this one. I don't respect Michigan as a top 10 team, top five team. I think Ohio State wins. I'm going to say they win like 35. And especially if Blake Corum doesn't play, I think uh, Michigan probably only scores like 17 points. So 35-17. What do you got, Ian? Um. Yeah, honestly, if controversial pick, if Corum's in, I would take probably Michigan because Ohio State's rush defense hasn't been as good lately. Um, but that being said, I don't think with the injury, even if Corum is back, he's going to be at 100%. And Ohio State just has more weapons right now. I'm going to take the Buckeyes winning in Columbus. I'm going to go to a 28 to 14 win. I think the defense does limit them big because Michigan does have the number one defense in the country. But I think Ohio State finds a way to break through um, in some areas. So I'm going to go 28 14 Buckeyes. Okay. This one's uh, an interesting one. South Carolina Clemson. I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah. So, you know, what was the rivalry called? It was like the Palmetto State. Something I, I, I forget. Something but, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, South Carolina comes in flying high and wanting to repeat, you know, that um, success they had. The difference is, is that Clemson's defense isn't going to let that shit fly straight up. Um, Clemson's defense is not has a much better defense than Tennessee. Um, and I think, you know, Ukulele has done a good job as well as Will Shipley in the running game. It's a very balanced attack for Clemson, and that's something South Carolina hasn't done very good is uh, handle balanced attacks and elite offenses. Uh, we've seen that all year. So I'm going to take 
Um, Clemson winning this one to run away with it. I'm going to go with a 38-17 win for the Tigers. I think it's going to be closer, but I still think Clemson is the better team in this game. I'm going to say uh, Clemson wins 31-20. Okay, Auburn, Alabama. Um, I think Alabama smokes them here. I think Alabama's like really like because of the last couple of weeks, like they realize they potentially have a chance to get in if things go their way. So they know if they get a lot of style points in this game, they could potentially get in. Um, so I'm going to say Alabama wins like 42 to like 10 type game. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, I, Bama's is too good, and there's not enough answers for Auburn. Um, so I'm going to take Bama. I'm running away with it. Uh, I'll go more conservatively. I'll go 38 to 10. <laughs> so conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, next game we have is Oregon, Oregon State. You know, Oregon State has been this team all year that, like, no one talks about. Like, I don't think you've – I don't think people have seen a single highlight on the East Coast of Oregon State. They probably have no idea that Oregon State uh, is as decent as they are. And this is going to be a really good game. And I think Oregon State can win this game, um, especially if Bo Nix – is still kind of uh, um, hindered by his injury. I'm going to say Oregon State wins like 32 to like 27. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? I mean, honestly, yeah, this was going to be – I mean, you kind of stole it for me. This was my upset of the the week was Oregon State. Um, yeah. I think especially on the running attack is that um, – prove that you can, you know, break through against this Oregon defense. Um, the Oregon defense has not been, you know, super great. Um, they have been able to capitalize on turnovers, but I think Oregon State kind of stuns them, and I think it will kind of go back and forth. It's one of those games, like I always say, it goes down to Oregon, you know, has the ball last, and I think Oregon State will have it, and I think the Beavers win the, win the Civil War, or whatever they're calling it now. Um, Oregon State will win 31-27. to 27. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is going to be a close game. Okay, uh, Iowa State, TCU. Um, I think TCU probably wins this one-handedly. Iowa State's kind of struggled throughout the year this year. It's been disappointing. Um, I'm going to say TCU wins like 42 to like 24. What do you got? Um, I I'm with you. I think TCU um, will win this. I just don't see Iowa State's offense keeping up with TCU's. Um, I jokingly, TCU might keep it close because they always like to play a close game. <laughs> um, but I think TCU will win this one handily. I'm going to go 34 to 13. Okay. Uh, LSU, Texas A&M. Does Texas A&M get the huge upset and end LSU's shot at the playoff no <laughs> there's, there's nobody that can answer for Jaden daniels on AM side and there's nothing offensively that AM can do they're, they're just been walking through mud i mean they 
average, I think they've only crossed 20 points a few times, and I think the most points they've scored all year have been 28. That's not going to be enough against LSU, uh, LSU and LSU is just going to, I think, run around, run circles around them. I'm going to take the Tigers winning this one handily. I'll go 38 to uh, 16. They get a bunch of field goals. Yeah, I'm not far off from that. Uh, UCF, USF. Um, I'm going to go with USF probably scoring a lot of points. And, uh, you know, I don't know if U- UCF – if because <laughs> UCF is going to have to keep pace. That's really the only way that, uh, you know, this game goes. Like, USF has been scoring a lot of points all year. They just cannot – stop anyone but uh john rice plumley i don't think is that great of a quarterback regardless of how terrible usf's defense is he makes mistakes and he is not accurate of a quarterback so i can envision usf getting off the field because of the fact that um uh Plumley is not as good. So I think USF has a shot here. I don't think they'll win, but I think it's going to be a very close game. I'm going to say like a ooh, probably like a 35 to like 31 game. What do you got, Ian? Um I I think USF's offense does show up, but I don't think the defense is near as good as not good enough against UCF. The only way you can stop UCF's Offenses, if you have an elite defense, and that's clearly not what um, USF has. So I'm going to take the Knights in this one. I'm going to go somewhere to you. I think the win, uh, I'll go honestly 40 to 27. Okay. Tennessee Vanderbilt, what are your thoughts on this one? On, I think. Honestly, Vandy's riding a wave, and they keep it close in the first half. I will say it'll be within a score going into halftime. I would probably say like a 14 to 10 lead or 14 to 13 lead for Tennessee to make it uncomfortable. But Tennessee's offense wakes up. They take advantage of a lackluster Vandy defense, and then they run away with it. I'm going to go 45 to 20 uh, Tennessee. I think this could be an upset of the day. Um, you know, uh, God, I can't think of the volunteers backup. Uh, Milton. If Milton, I, I know he's capable, but if he struggles, then Vanderbilt can stay in this game. And, you know, Tennessee's defense sucks. So Vanderbilt can score points, and I'm going to go with the upset. So I'm going to say Vanderbilt wins 28-27, and Vanderbilt uh, becomes bowl eligible. Okay. Notre Dame-USC battle for the jeweled shillelagh. Um, I'm going to go with USC in this one. I like Notre Dame last several weeks. They've been playing well, but they have not played an offense like this. Uh, USC is a buzzsaw, and I think USC probably wins like 45 to like 30. What do you got, Ian? Honestly, I think 
this is going to be closer. I kind of think USC might sleepwalk into this, seeing the three losses of Notre Dame. But I think USC does have more talent and should find a way to win. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think Notre Dame has faced an offense elite like this. So I'm going to take USC winning this one. I'm going to go 37 to 24 for the Trojans. Okay, last two real quick. Um, Kansas, Kansas State, what do you got? Um, God, I want Kansas to win so bad. <laughs> it's one of those things, do you want the fan pick or do you want the analyst pick? Um, Always give but, me the analyst pick. Yeah, I, I think K-State, they, they, take, they take the win here. Um, I honestly think it is going to be um, pretty close. I think Kansas really gives Kansas State a run for their money. Um, but I don't see um, uh, Kansas finding a way to win this. I'm going to go um, K-State wins 30-20. Okay, last one. Oh, I, my pick for that one, I'm going to go with – 38-27. I just think Kansas State's got a little bit more offense. Like Kansas will be able to score, but I think Kansas State, their offense will be able to put up a decent amount of points in this game. Okay, last game, Washington, Washington State. I really like Michael Penix Jr. I think he's going to put up a lot of numbers in this game. I think he's going to probably – I think they're going to put up at least 34 points, and I'm going to say Washington State scores like 22. What do you got? Um, I, I agree. I think with how elite the Washington offense is, um, I'm going to take them winning this one. I just the Washington State um, offense isn't it's good, but I don't think it's good enough, especially against the, the defense that has showed up and has been able to step up in big games. This is a big game, obviously, a rivalry the Apple Cup. So I'm going to take the Huskies winning this one. Uh, I think it'll be a bit more low scoring. I'm going to go with a 26 to 19 win for the Huskies. All right, that is the show. So this is the last week of the season. Um, you know, enjoy these games. the The championship, uh, conference championship, is the following week. Um, we'll break down all those games, and then I might even do a like Twitter live or Twitter spaces on the day after the conference championship games, uh, because they'll have the, uh, live playoff, um, re reveal. So I'll try to do it like live with that corresponding with it. Um, but, uh, as far as that, we might have some articles coming up. So check out haterradio.com for any of those articles. Uh, you can reach us at, Hater underscore radio on Twitter and Insta. And Ian, what are your socials? Yeah, uh, Instagram, it's uh, G double underscore Gator double underscore G and YouTube is G Gator G. Yeah, and YouTube for us as well is um, youtube.com slash Hater Radio. That's the show. I'm Chris McLean. Uh, my co-host is Ian Gibson, and we will see you later. 